Earlier this morning, we talked with our auditor from Minnesota, the state auditor, Julie Blaha, and now we're continuing a conversation about leadership, about getting involved in your local communities and becoming a leader. This time, we're specific to rural women. We have joining us now Teresa Kittredge. She is the executive director of 100 Rural Women. It's a nonprofit with a mission to serve and support rural women. Thank you for being back with us, Teresa. Thanks so much for being here. It's good to see you and talk with you. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit. Did Am I right to say that 100 Rural Women kind of started right before the global crisis hit? <laughs> It did. We we really started building in the fall of 2019, putting our board together, our processes together, figuring out, you know, what our programs of work would be and how we could get funded. And our official launch was going to be March of, was supposed to be March of 2020. That was going to be our big splash. So <laughs> then COVID hit and it's been reinventing ourselves every three or four months um, all along. But it's, it's, um, it's been quite an experience and pretty rewarding work. So be honest, did you ever just want to give up because it was difficult and think, oh, this won't last that long. And so, you know, we'll wait till it ends and just maybe restart it. You know, probably last spring in, um, I was really, uh, we had a lot going on, a lot of amazing work, but we were having a difficult time finding funding support. And it had been a long time to, to do all that. And and I wanted to be realistic. And I was sort of like, okay, I'm going to give myself a timeline. If we didn't, if we don't, you know, if we are not able to have people um, support our mission, then something's not working here. Um, so, but we were fortunate that things just started to come together last spring and last summer, and we received some amazing funding, people who believed in our mission and our work. So, um, you know, and that's a constant with a nonprofit. That is a constant, um, constant job is figuring out how do we support our mission, support our work. So that's a big part of the job I do is trying to figure out what's that financial foundation we can build to support the programs. So Teresa, through all of the pivoting that you had to do, especially at the beginning, how do you think doing this uh, 100 Rural Women via Zoom versus meeting in person, how has that sort of changed what your outcomes were or, or what you thought this would be? You know, it's interesting because at first it sort of took us back. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And then we thought, well, what what a great time to really try and connect rural women when everybody's so isolated. So even though in rural, we all know we have trouble with broadband and internet connectivity, and we're very cognizant of, you know, not doing big videos and things like that. And And so what I've learned from it is, number one, we learned through our research, the first 50 meetings, that meeting virtually removes barriers, removes a lot of barriers for rural women, whether it be family care, driving, just being able to be flexible. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, we would have reached a lot of women going around the state meeting in person, but we've reached, I think we've reached more women and had more women connect not only in their community, but broader than their community. So it's had some positive outcomes. So I just want to make sure that we, we take the good, it's hard to say there's good in COVID, but that we take the, the, the good learnings, the learnings we had from COVID and figure out how to, how to weave those into our, our process and our, our um, work going forward. You know, you talked about kind of funding sources and how nonprofits all face this. Um, and part of that is you have to 
know, you have to know who you are. Like what's, what is the soul of your nonprofit? And one of the things that I love about 100 Rural Women is it's focusing on rural women, which you don't see very often. But then also it's, um, you have this wonderful bridge between emerging leaders and women that have been leading for a long time. Can you talk a little bit about that, about why that was important? Yeah, you know, I've been really fortunate throughout my life and my career to have mentors. And um, and I started my career at the legislature as an intern and had this incredible internship. And so I'm just a big believer in in that whole mentorship piece. And that keeps coming up in every one of our meetings in different forms of mentorship. So I think that um, the only way we're going to get more rural women leading is if we start to demystify those paths to leadership. You know, what what are they? How do you get there? How do you how do you learn from women how they navigated that? Um, so so everything we do really, you know, when you sort of put it in a nutshell, is all about mentorship. When I think about it, it's it's a leadership, but it's mentoring others and showing others the way of how to get there. And that can be generational. It can be cultural it can be a variety of different ways that we that we get there but yeah that's that's the most amazing part of this work is just making those connections and learning about people's stories and having them share their journeys of how they how they've done it and hopefully you know we all see different paths to leadership leadership for all of us so we're talking with Teresa Kittredge, Executive Director at 100 Rural Women. I had a chance to look at your website and see, I even see that generational and difference of backgrounds in your board of directors. It's it's fantastic to see that. First of all, I didn't realize how, uh, you know, you usually see a few women on a board of directors, but it's generally more male. <laughs> and it's just refreshing to see that. Yeah, we're we're really lucky with our board. I'm always proud to say with our board, it's a it's a diverse culturally, racially, geographically. But when you think about age, we have two. You know, of the six members on our board, four of them are under thirty, and I think that's a big thing that that we need to remember. So we need to listen to young people. We need to learn what kind of what kind of place they want to live in and what kind of community they want to live in and, and how do we build that together? So I, and I love working with young, young women and we're really young women powered because we didn't have resources. So I was really dependent on interns and graduate students and they push and they, they, they make you think twice about some of your old notions and, and how you can go forward. And particularly with technology, it's been a great opportunity to have young people help you sort of lead the way of how we can best connect. Well, when a, you've got a new partnership and you've got lots of partnerships. That's part of how a nonprofit works as well. But um, tell us a little bit about the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship with Southwest State University. Yes, that, that came as, you know, a lot of the work we do is things come as a surprise. And um, we were very fortunate with the AIR grant, which is a... Um, you know, all about the Arrowhead region um, in, in, in looking at how broadband can help build economic development. Blandon, um, it was Blandon, IRRR, and uh, the Northland Foundation had partnered on this. So I have, uh, since we started 100 Rural Women, I've always wanted to be build some kind of revenue generating entity, whether within as an arm of the nonprofit or a standalone social enterprise to support our work so we're not dependent 
on solely on grants and and um, and fundraising. So um, I had gotten a small grant to do some business modeling, and a young woman from Southwest State from Hutchinson, Minnesota, had reached out to me after she participated in a meeting this summer and said she was looking for an internship. And I was looking for a business student. So it just sort of evolved. She, I asked her if she'd be interested in doing some business modeling. She said she would. And then the director of the center at Southwest State, she he heard about what she was up to, then they wanted to be part of it. So it's really a neat way to sort of build a statewide project. Um, and the, the entity would be based, of course, here in the Northland um, area. Um, and then we would, you know, work work across the state to build build the entity. But it is it's business modeling and figured out how can we be a sustainable organization? How do we how do we make sure not all, all of our eggs are in one funding basket? So, what other kind of partnerships has One Hundred Rural Women been fostering over the last couple of years? And can you just give us a couple other examples? Yeah. You know, um, we've we've really been fortunate with the regional sustainable development partnerships at the University of Minnesota. Um, we formed a partnership there with um, with the Center for Urban and Rural Affairs um, to have a source for graduate students, and that's really been a lifesaver for us, and and um, really a lifeline to you know make sure that not only are we doing the work, but we're collecting data, and that we have good research methodology, and that we are. Um, making sure that we can best tell our story. So that's been that's been a great partnership. Um, we are um, in the process right now of, um, of, of doing some work um, with some different women's organizations to figure out <clears throat> how can we how can we build a, a sustainable um, and um, a voice together that would, would really talk about the importance of of women in rural and how we can you know there's a coalition of women's groups coming together to figure out how we can support each other so i'm really really excited about that and that's just in its infancy stages and um yeah we've we did some convenings for the um women's foundation which was really fun they they wanted to do a um a, uh, convening to learn more about what do rural women need and and where are rural women at. So we've we've formed a lot of different partnerships that we're um, working on. So like you said, every day it's trying to figure out who's that new partner hmm. that we can work with. Um, so yeah, it's good. Well, you've got lots of things going on that people can participate in Zoom meetings tomorrow, especially leadership. Tell us what what'll be going on tomorrow. Yes, yes. So that's exciting. Tomorrow, we um, started a new series called Ask a Leading Woman, which is really a focus on women's journeys. And um, so we're going to have leaders from across across the, you know, uh, all across the gamut of uh, different age, different sectors, cultures, race, all those pieces. But tomorrow we have um, Rita Albrecht, who's a former um, mayor of Bemidji, who's going to be sharing her journey with us. And those are 45-minute sessions, about 20 minutes for the speaker, and then about 20 minutes for Q&A. And just to learn more about, you know, what her journey has been and um, and for people to be able to ask questions of, you know, how she navigated and um, and any advice she has to share, you know, with, with other women about, about her journey. So we're going to have a mix of uh, over the next um, two months, we're going to have a mix of women. Every every Friday, we'll have a different woman on that series, um, Escalating Women. Well, and in looking through a lot of your events, it looks like you're taking leadership in a very holistic 
uh, way, talking about leadership in a very holistic way. There's yoga on here. There's, uh, you know, networking. Also, I mean, it's a meditations. It's a very whole way of looking at things. How did you guys come to that methodology or that, you know, idea? Oh, thanks for that question. So we have this, I want to do these hundred meetings across the state to learn about what do women need? What will help them? What helps sustain? How do we build leadership? And so from the first 50 meetings, we rolled up themes. What were really, what were women really asking for? What were some of those overarching themes? Health and wellness was one of the top, top takeaways. And Again, partnerships through the University of Minnesota. Uh, I met um, a woman that does yoga and she has um, a business partner and she does meditation and relaxation. And they offered to do a set to do a six week session for us, which was great. And so I thought we were going to have six a session each week. And they're like, oh, no, we're going to do four a week. We're going to do four yogas and we're going to do four or two yogas and two mindfulness it's incredible. Take 30 minutes out of your day. We do them at eight in the morning or at noon on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Today we have one at noon and it's just a time for you to step back, take some time for you. And it's not traditional yoga. We have to know all the poses. It's breathing. It's, it's stretching. Um, in meditation, I'm a, a goer and my brain's always going. That's probably the hardest one for me to just try and step back. And I think, oh my God, is she going to say something pretty soon? No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's sort of like, but it's, um, it's incredible. And this morning, right when we're done with this, um, we're doing some open networking. We heard from women. I just want a place to get together and talk. And, and we're, we're testing all these to, to see what our future programming should look like. So this morning, I think we have eight people signed up to just get together and chat and and talk about whatever the issue of the day is um so really excited about that and then we're doing some more themed networking um next week um monday at four four in the afternoon we're going to talk about the issue of education and so people just come and depending on how many people we break into breakout rooms so we're still sort of testing to see what format works best for women times all those pieces but these the program we have now which is i call it or calling our next 50 that was all that all emanated from the first 50 it all hmm. came out of what women um told us they were interested in so now oh. now Teresa, you wouldn't we don't know if the time if the global pandemic hadn't happened <laughs> do you think you would have been this kind of open to that experimentation because i'm hearing this a lot from organizations where okay we're going to try this for this amount of time because we heard this from people there seems to be something different I, I totally agree. And I think it's really given us license. That's one of the good takeaways. It's given us license to try out different things and see what works well for people. And yeah, I think, I mean, it's really made me challenge our business model because when I first started this, I was in person. I had these hundred meetings set up. I was starting in Laverne and I was going to go <laughs> zigzag up the state. I had it all figured out. And now it's sort of like makes you step back and think, okay, what's best for our customer? What's best for rural women? What's the best way for us to engage and for them to engage? So technology and meeting virtually has really, it's it's really given us an opportunity to test and try and and be much more entrepreneurial than we would have been, you know, I think before we've been pretty formulaic of how we've done convenings and and this really gives us an opportunity. I'm guessing you wouldn't have done the yoga and meditation no, no. <laughs> you know? and, and the beauty of the yoga and meditation is we can share it across the state and beyond. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the beauty. More women are getting to participate. 
than if we had to pick a community in a county to go median. So, so I think it really broadens our participation. And I know everybody's aching to get back in person and wants that. And so I'd love to figure out that perfect hybrid model. So if anybody has any ideas on that, let me know, because we're trying to figure that out. But the virtual works well. It works well for me. I'm not on the road mm -hmm. six hours driving somewhere. I, I don't have the windshield time I used to. So I can really focus also, and I can I can connect with more. I connect with more women because I have more time to be able to do that. So well, and talking about the age range that you're trying to, you know, the different generations you're trying to tie together. I would almost think that virtually that's a lot easier uh, to accomplish than in person. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. And just the people that I've gotten to work with and the students I've been able to work with, that probably wouldn't have happened before. Um, I'm pretty comfortable working from home because I've traveled a lot and, and worked from home. But this has just been, I've just had access to more resources, probably more people resources than I would have in the past. So it really, uh, technology, even though it can drive us crazy sometimes, really knocks down, you know, knocks down a lot of barriers and gives a lot of opportunities. But you just got to go for it. You got to try some different things. And, and you have to ask people what works for them. And we also, in some of our themed networking, we're going to do how to run a Zoom meeting, how to do PowerPoints. We learned that, with, you know, some of that technical communication piece was a need with people, too. So we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a bunch of different things, but it all came out of those meetings. It's like, what are you interested in? What would help you? Um, you know, how to speaking, public speaking, that was another thing that people were interested in. And so we're just going to bring in different people that um, work in those areas to, to shed some light. And yeah, and we're all about connecting women with resources. I mean, we're not going to create a ton of programming. If there's an organization out there doing something, we just want to connect women with those resources. And then where there's a gap, we're happy to build that, build that, fill that gap. So, huh. Well, I think maybe I could convince uh, some of my coworkers. There's a lot of women that work at KEXE and KBXE that maybe we'll do one of these resiliency sessions of yoga or meditation. I like that it's at different times. It's during your workday, but it's only half an hour. So you you know, shouldn't do like most of us do where we eat at our desk and keep on working. We should actually take a break. <laughs> Might be a great thing to do. How can people get involved and come to some of these webinars that you're doing? Yeah, tell them, uh, the, the, tell your, your listeners today, it's really just go out to our website, 100rowwomen.org. There's an, you know, you can click into 100 and 100. There's an events page, a calendar, and just register online. And we'll, believe me, we'll send you reminders. And, um, and yeah, please join get it join the join our list we have a newsletter and um would love to keep you in the loop and this is all free of charge thank thanks to our funders and supporters we're able to to be able to um, be a sponsor for this so yeah please join us and let us know what you would like to see we we really want to know what what people want to see what women want to see and what will help women so it's it's amazing. It's amazing work. I, I love it. I love what I'm doing. That's Executive Director Teresa Kittredge of 100 Rural Women. Find out more at 100ruralwomen.org. Thanks so much for your time, Teresa. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.